Hey, deserving listeners, we have Colin back on the show to talk about a film festival that is coming up that he wants to promote. And he gave us screeners to watch beforehand. So we're going to review these movies in this film festival. Colin, welcome back to the show. Hello. It's nice to be hey. here virtually with you in your lovely new space. Looks, It looks whiter. It looks like you have the, an entire... Um, giant like a like almost like a bell house you know like a bell library room situation. yes oh yes uh it's all smoke and mirrors but yes i do have <laughs> i do have more room for my even more room for my books so let's get into it this is the psychology in seattle podcast i'm your host dr kirk honda i'm a therapist and a professor my name is umberto castaneda and i manufacture glass jars my name is colin miller and i'm currently producing the queer to queer film festival and I am also starting a new journey into freelance writing. Oh, so Colin, tell us about this film festival that is currently happening. Tell us about it. So the film festival will premiere in person on the 20th of November, or actually maybe it already will have. Yeah, this is airing on the 22nd, so it would have started a couple of days ago. Right. So the in-person event was on the 20th, and that was at the Margot Jones Theater in Dallas. And then the streaming service, which is the same thing as the in-person event, it's all the films. It's going on from the 21st all the way to the 27th. So if you're listening to this on the 22nd, you still got a few days. So no uh, no rush, but, um, but do get online as soon as you can. Um, there's obviously no cap on tickets, so you can watch it from anywhere in the world. Part of the inception of the film festival was so that you didn't have to be in one specific location because something that happened to me during the pandemic is I found myself really utilizing social media as a way to connect way more than I had in the past. And even if I looked back at the evidence of all the time that I spent online prior to the pandemic, I may disprove myself, but I will say that I can with you know, out a shadow of a doubt, um, it, it's helped bring me to a better relationship with social media. And I feel like all of my endeavors uh, online have been a lot more successful, uh, just because I've been putting more effort into it and trying to be more vulnerable in myself. And I decided that I wanted to put forth all of that energy into an event that meant a lot to me. And so Upon introspection with a fellow film producer and creator, Ben Ward, and, uh, and actually his wife and producing partner, Rindalee Singleton, they both produce movies with Stranger Mornings production. We are going to produce a film together, and we have worked together in the past. He wanted to do something along the lines of films that don't have to go through the immense channel of expression before it gets to final product. So something that is closer to the original artist's interests, um, dream, as Frederico Fellini would say, closest to the dream. Um, and, uh, and that's where Career to Career came from. I basically came up with the extra part of making it more about queer expression, trying to find films that were outside the box, that showed a wide range of voices. And then it kind of culminated with this desire to uh, not just have something in person, but also uh, be able to connect the world. And that's, that's Q to Q. So um, where, where can they go to find this? It's um, queer to, well, actually, um, I'm going to look up the exact... Um, address, but um, if you want to go to our Instagram, it's queer underscore two underscore queer, and then the actual website is queer two, and that's the number two queerfest.com. And the uh, Instagram button. was also the number two, right? Queer underscore number two. Yes, all number two, and um, <laughs> all number two, it's all shit. I'm just kidding, um, <laughs> and uh. Yeah, it's, uh, there's just an Eventbrite link, and I don't know if you've done any online events, not necessarily online, but events of all kinds. It just, it very much is self-explanatory using Eventbrite. You just click the button and it, it walks you through it. Yeah. So your mission to create something that is 
pulls from many voices all over the world, at least what we saw, because we, you gave us a bunch of shorts to watch. I think it was, I don't know, like 30 shorts or something. Mm -hmm. And the thing that uh, I noticed right away is just how diverse the voices were obviously, but also around the world, there were people in Brazil and Norway and the United States and Korea, Korea. And it was interesting, fascinating really to, to hear from those voices. Cause you, you know, I, I don't usually hear from those voices and of course, queer voices from those areas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Queer and ally voices. I think that's something that was really important to me is that in in all of our promotion and all of our um, invitations to submit we wanted to make sure that people who care about queer voices, no matter how you identify, no matter what your orientation is or your gender is, anything, um, you know, we're, we're willing to look at your films, want to share your films, um, because I do believe that it, this, this is not about excluding, you know, any particular person. It's just about facilitating a space where the expectation is you're going to come watch things that are going to be by and for queer voices, or at least they're going to be mindful about the queer experience. And that's beyond that, there really weren't any um, restrictions put on any of our, our submitters. And it was, it's, it's wonderful to see that there were people from some of these other countries that you mentioned that an email correspondence um, with the people who selected the films they actually admitted that there have been a lot of uh, gate gatekeeping uh, experiences that they've had prior to Q to Q where because of the subject matter of their film, it was hard for them to find a place to submit it locally or even, you know, beyond just where they would be able to go physically drive or walk to go see their films played. Um, So to be able to be a part of um, something that helps them uh, get their work shown felt very, very good, especially in a time where um, oftentimes I just feel very helpless about the world and about what I can actually do to make a difference. Yeah. So do you have any individual stories like of the shorts producers, any kind of uh, specific anecdotes from these folks? Yeah. So I'm actually really close friends with one, um, Emilio, he actually submitted um, in a strange room for the first round of our Q2Q. And I, I thought it was one of the most striking, y'all haven't seen this one because it was round one, but it was one of the most striking um, and it was found footage. It was a mixture of documentary and of fiction. Mm. And because it emphasizes the male form, there's sex scenes, there's um, you know, depictions of male cis penises. And um, it's very, you could call it graphic, although I'm sure that I, I would, I would just call it blunt, um, you know, um, indiscriminate. And he was saying that there, um, he grew up in a very, uh, I don't want to say rigid or stifling, but there were um, people in his community that were outwardly telling him that he should not um, show the film and that what he was showing was, um, you know, anti-religious. It was, oh um, anti-Catholic, uh, you know, cause he's from Spain and there was just, um, a lot of rejection there and he loves his community. He loves where he lives. He loves his people. He's a very spiritual man. Um, but, um, I don't think that he felt safe in his expression And then one from this time, it's a little bit of a shorter story, but um, one of my favorites, um, quite, I can't necessarily say at this present time, and I'm going to watch them in person uh, on the 21st, or actually past tense, I'm going to at the time of recording. Um, But Between Complete and Incomplete was important to me for several reasons. One, because it depicts um, somebody who's on the asexuality spectrum. I don't see it very often. Um, Two, there's polyamory uh, and the conversation about polyamory. That means a lot to me. And then uh, two, it's from Korea and I don't see a lot of queer uh, media from Korea. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I just haven't experienced that. Um, And they were saying how it actually made them proud 
um, you know, to be able to share it with um, mm. people who were in a totally different, uh, totally different country. There was a, they they hadn't really had a correspondence with any Americans, and just to hear, even though it was just a, a few sentences, just that um, that positive association with America at a time where it's it's been hard for me sometimes um just given this the state of different conflicts um and um it's just so hard to know who to trust uh it's um it was just really refreshing that there are these people who care about us and cared about us appreciating what they had to say and that was that was really special yeah yeah that was an interesting one because of course intellectually uh, and I pr- maybe even through research knew that in South Korea, there are one out gay men two probably gay polyamorous couples and three uh, out and self-aware demi asexual people. And, but I'd never seen it depicted, you know, intellectually, if you would have asked me, are, are mm-hmm. the, do those people exist in South Korea? I'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that, <laughs> but my, but it, when I saw this short, it was like, my, it took my brain, you know, it's interesting to, to know something intellectually. It's another thing to see it and to, to experience them, to, to hear their, to hear them moving, see them moving around in their worlds, mm-hmm. you know, like normal human beings. Uh, that is a powerful realization f- for me that this, these people do exist and they're real and they have, you know, pros and cons, their personalities and their human beings. And they, you know, and uh, a lot of that happened with these shorts, you know, uh, around the world, people from Brazil, you know, if you'd have asked me same thing about Brazil, are there, are there lesbians in Brazil? I'd be like, well, yeah, I'm sure there are There's probably millions. Uh, have I seen or met any, you know, either in movies or TVs or TV shows or in person, I'd, I'd say no, you know. I, I'd actually even add that in some cases, we haven't even met any people from a lot of these places. Yeah. Like, you know, we don't consume that much media from outside of the U.S. Yeah. And not not just you and I, I mean, all of us in general. Uh, more recently, I guess there's been a few more Korean things, right? But before that, I actually probably never saw anything from Korea, let alone something in this category. And similarly with Brazil, like the only thing that I watch that has Brazilians in it is usually the ultimate fighting, you know, like UFC type stuff. Cause there's so many good Brazilian fighters. Uh, but this was really refreshing. Same thing with, there were other Latin things like that. And yeah, I agree with you completely. It was really interesting to see that. But by the way, is there a way we could watch, uh, could you somehow uh, make the round one stuff available for us to watch? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so the, um, the other thing that's obvious and such a important thing that your festival accomplishes is that when these voices are heard, when others are isolated and, you know, they're in Brazil, they're in South Korea, they're in Norway. And cause you know, I, I was wondering if you're in some of these areas, if all of your queer uh, art, you know, especially movies and TV, it's all American. And it, and it, to me, it hadn't occurred to me until watching this, that that could feel like, well, yeah, it's all fine and good, but I live here, mm. you know, that's a completely different situation mm-hmm. here. And to hear, cause in these, you know, shorts, um, some were dealing with oppression, but all of them were um, on some level um, validating themselves. You know, there was a validation of who they yeah. are as human beings. And I, I could imagine this uh, reaching people who really need to have that validation. Yeah. Just to be seen and, and seen as you want to be seen is kind of what I got in this overarching, very over the treetops um, feeling way. It's um, we didn't put any prompt, you know, that's the thing. It's, it's, it is Q to Q. We welcome queer voices. Of course, all that is explained, but there was no 
write to this theme or incorporate this character. There wasn't any challenge. There wasn't, um, you know, how have you been oppressed by your society? In what ways would you want to be a more open queer person? You know, we didn't um, pose any of these questions. And so what we received was just exactly the story that these people wanted to tell. And so that's why I think that it feels, if authentic seems so bougie, but it, it is a genuine expression of truth. And, you know, there, that's why there are some things that are really serious. Um, and then there, you get things like hot back summer, which is a <laughs> silly song about feeling empowered uh, in a time when, uh, you know, we're all very afraid for our health. So I, I was, I was living for it. And it, I've, I've had a rough go of it um, in, uh, this, this week. Um, I was telling Kirk earlier, I just, it, everyone's fine, everyone's safe, but I had a, a car incident that was very traumatic for oh, me. Oh, no. Um, Sorry. But thank you, thank you. But, um, but it, this film festival has helped. Um, watching the films and working with the people who are excited to send us um, the right file size, who, you know, are ecstatic that, you know, their films are in America for the first time. It has made me feel like um, everybody in the world is my neighbor. And as, as Mr. Rogers as it sounds, and hey, by the way, who's knocking Mr. Rogers? That man was awesome. But like, I've wanted that sense of global community for a really long mm. time and this as i hope the kernel of where i would like to go which is feeling way more connected not just to people in dallas people in seattle people in america but people everywhere um even if i can't travel so yeah i was gonna say you know one one meta thing that i realized through watching these which i should know and i guess i do know it's just it was sad i gotta tell you because we're coming up on 30 years from the Reality Bites movie with uh, Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke and stuff. And I, I don't know if you watched that movie, but it's a movie I really enjoy. It's, it's, it's not the greatest movie, but it, I really enjoyed it at the time. And in it, there is this whole storyline about uh, one of their friends is gay and he's coming out and he's coming out to his parents. And it's this big deal. And I remember at the time watching that movie, was, we were like, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, that would be hard. But this is almost 30 years ago. So watching all these and me realizing, oh, man, we haven't moved much. What's going on? Like, this is still a huge deal. People coming out is still like traumatic and difficult and and breaks up families. And like now, granted, not all of them were about that, but there were quite a few that that was the whole topic. And it was, it was both like, I, I realized the power of this, of what you're doing in bringing those voices. But at the same time, there was some bit of sadness that it's like, we're still on that. <laughs> like, God. We're, we're still on that. And yet I think that we're on so many different things. Uh, yeah. You know, something that I feel like, I, so I was just recently talking to one of the, um, one of the judges who you'll meet when you actually have your judges panel uh, discussion in a day from now. Um, Gail Cronhauer, she's a fabulous actress. If y'all saw the, the indie movie, The Vast of Night, I incorrectly phrased it the other day as in The Vast of Night. But anyway, um, she's she was a mentor and a friend and she works with women in film. Uh, they do PSAs, group meetings, et cetera, just as a way to empower, um, you know, a, a wider variance of roles for women in film, as opposed to just being uh, makeup artists, you know, et cetera, where this just a, just as a way to enable um, female directors, female producers, et cetera. And these littler, um, you know, littler achieved roles um, for women. And uh, just as one small way to kind of bridge the gap. But um, she was saying that in their recent film festival, they were noticing that even though they didn't put anywhere, this is about queer expression, this is about gender conformity or, and, and the repression that comes from that, but they got so many stories that were by and for trans voices, by and for um, intersexed voices, uh, mm -hmm. people who have been silenced for so long. And I think that um, while you're right, we are in some places that we've been in for years and years and years, I think that 
if you see the way that people are trying to claim the truth of their gender and the nuances of how they feel, how they want to express themselves into the world, just the fact that we're hearing it and that we're aware and that, you know, people are standing up for themselves to not be pushed to the side anymore. I mean, Peppermint, one of the amazing drag queens from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race was on um, Ebony and Irony with Lady Bunny and spent two episodes talking about how we need to think about the language we use when we're um, interacting with our trans brothers and sisters and non-binary siblings. So I don't know that I would have heard that 10 years ago. I don't know. You just just named like six words that I didn't understand, like Echo and the Bunny Man and RuPaul's Ebony Ivory. Like, I don't, I don't know any of these things. It's Wait, okay. Is that a it's, show or something? It's a podcast that um, uh, probably the most famous drag queen other than RuPaul, Lady Bunny, does okay. with Monet Exchange, another drag queen. I'm, I'm more ingratiated uh, in the drag culture uh, now than I was when we last hung oh, out. Okay. I'm getting much more into it. And Peppermint is a is one of the queens from the show RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay, which would be a, a, amazing for Kirk to cover at some point. But um, she's she identifies as trans, and she's been an advocate for trans voices. And so I was just proud that there were lots of films that were addressing gender and uh, and identity in these ways that were definitely definitely pushed to the side uh, just a few years ago. And if and yes, they existed. These people have always existed. These stories have always existed, but we're just getting more of it. And, mm-hmm. and I think that the, um, you know, we, going back to what I mentioned earlier, I think the production notes are diminishing. I think they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller in terms of, oh, we can't show that. We can't go there. We are being, we have to play it safe or we're losing an audience. And the more that we can um, let the world know that we can have you know, mainstream stories with people who are trans, people who are queer, however they identify. Um, and you're not going to lose your money. You're going to make your money back. Um, the more we can do that, even in tiny, you know, forms of expression like the Square to Queer Film Festival, because we aren't big. We're a baby festival right now. But in our own small way, I think we're contributing to that, um, that goal. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about some of our favorites that we saw, Berto. Let's let's go over it. Let's do it. Um, and did you have like a top five uh, on your end, uh, Colin? I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll give my I, top I five, and maybe you can you can give yours. Um, <laughs> my number one was um, not your ordinary sister. So this is a short a woman it's all it's only (laughs) one woman and it starts off with lesbian vampire uh some nuns which by the way it plays on the list right after the one about the lesbian vampires yeah (laughs) and it's hard to describe but essentially the first uh little bit is this she's running through the forest yeah running through the forest and you know it's like lesbian nun vampire oh no and ah and then and then smash cut she's staring into the camera in regular clothes and she's she's just chastising us for being interested in lesbian nun vampire she's like i'm just a regular lesbian nun and yes i like to you know, I wake up in the morning. I'm going to, I'm not going to do it right, but yeah. I wake up in the morning. I have breakfast, I have coffee. <laughs> I, I, I look at sister Martha. I, I have, I prepare for service. I wash my hands. I get a sidelong longing glance at sister Mar- Martha. I'm just a regular lesbian nun. And you cis men with your perverted, like, uh, you know, lesbian, I don't know the whole thing. I just thought, I, I was like, what is happening at the beginning? And then when she just started yelling at us, it was really good. Yeah. I was just, I was cracking up. I just couldn't, <laughs> I just thought it was like amazing. And to me, it's like the perfect usage of the short really, you know, cause it, 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 to me, as one of the things that I learned was my preferences for style of shorts. Cause we watched 30 shorts in a row. Yeah. And I realized that I liked shorts that were, 
perfect for that for that genre right yeah it's more like a skit you know like a Mm. key and peel you can consider key and peel to be shorts you know in a sense Mm -hmm. and um because some of the shorts were more like dramas you know they were more like let me cram a movie into a short or let me show let me show a scene from a movie as a short and those ones were less appealing to me but anyway so not your ordinary sister was my favorite Britta, what was yours man it's hard like a number one is probably pretty hard but i'll tell you what there are two in particular that left very strong impressions and for different reasons uh one i'm very curious if you even liked this one but one is fling uh not one of my favorites yeah okay so fling was to me quite disturbing because i i got the impression that he's like in school like maybe high school or something i there was something a little not right about what the relationships that was being portrayed there. Well, can you, can you give us a, yeah. A synopsis? So the synopsis, as far as I could tell, cause it was impressionistic was like, Hey, um, this guy has trouble with his father. Um, his father doesn't approve of him being uh, gay. Uh, he goes to school, he gets in trouble at school. The, the principal doesn't like, you know, how he dresses and things like this. Um, he goes on a Tinder like, you know, date with a guy who's clearly older than him and sort of a father figure. Um, and then asks the guy, and we don't even see all this in detail. This is just like in flashes. Yeah. You kind of have to figure it out. Yeah. Watching. Ask the guy to pretend to be his father. And so then he shows up at school dressed up really nice and, the principal's like, oh, wow, you must be so proud of your son. <laughs> and then he like makes short talk while the guy goes. Um, and I just thought, well, OK, on the one hand, again, I was a little disturbed by like, is this relationship OK? But at the same time, I thought it was really well filmed. And yeah, and, very, very well. produced. And I hear what you say that it's, it's really hard and probably not your best bet to try to tell a whole movie in a five minute sequence. But I feel like the way they cut it together told me a story and I was like, Okay. So I felt from that perspective, it was, it was powerful. And I liked this kind of, um, you know what, I'm going to use my, my abnormal quote unquote lifestyle to, uh, impress this principle. (laughs) It was like very subversive, very subversive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I I liked that one, but the other one, and I think probably my favorite was, um, queen. Queen is the yeah that was one of my favorites yeah Queen is the trapped wife um it starts off very much like what I was expecting you know she's in this dinner party and she seems very uncomfortable and her husband seems very I don't know very like he criticizes her cuisine and all these things so you know you kind of get the sense that the relationship in general is not that great but there's something else afoot and then the girl, the gal she's with, who is the significant other of the other, basically the, the other half of the other couple decides, hey, we should just like go and take a, a pole dancing class. Um, and then they go and do that. And then she kind of, this gal, the main gal starts really noticing one of the other, I don't know if she was the teacher or one of the other participants. Teacher. Yeah, the teacher. And they have this moment and I, I couldn't quite tell the teacher, you know, I was like, well, I, I don't know if the teacher is uh, into women or not. I just think she's just very open with her sexuality and sensuality. Uh, and then the whole thing, again, in a very short time, it's about less than 20 minutes, uh, really guides us through her evolution of discovering, Oh, I see. I'm just in the wrong situation. Like I, well, well, so that's interesting. Cause that's, I mean, that's certainly the message, but to me, the, so the, I love this one too. I, I would definitely put the tied for second because it was well acted, well written, well produced, and it to me the the moral of the story because the way that it ends is very specific. So I, I, I hate to spoil it, but I just have to because I want to. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so she starts to have this these feelings for this pole dancing instructor, and I think the pole dancing instructor is is by yeah, and and she ultimately tells her, well, I mean. Like, I get the sense I got is like, well, I'm not looking for a relationship here, you know. So she has these feelings and they develop over time where we get the impression that she's going to this pole dancing class. It starts to be like a one on one class. 
And the pole dancing instructor is, is a very free spirit. And she is this repressed housewife. And she's starting to, and she talks about how sexually she's not satisfied with her husband either. And you never get this impression like she's, uh, it's, it's kind of ambiguous as to what's exactly happening. You know, we don't need to put labels on it. But anyway, so she has this one uh, night where it's drinking and dancing and face and, painting and face painting and, and people are flirting as all this sexuality happening around her. And you just see it's, this is a Norway short, by the way. And this, you know, uh, housewife is just like in euphoria. She's like, I'm free. And, and I, I want to feel this way all the time. This, you know, this feels nothing like the way it does at home. And you get this impression like she never had this in college or something. And this instructor, this charismatic, you know, goddess of a woman is like the centerpiece of all of this to her. And she's just so enamored with her. It's just, you get some, you know, the sense like she just needs her so much, but at, at, at the climax of the movie, the instructor is just like, look, you know, I, I get that you're really into me, but it's not what I'm looking, but that's, yeah. I mean, I, I'm here for you, but I'm not only here for you, you know, I, I'm not, uh, you, we just, you know, I, we barely know each other. Kind of, it was kind of the impression I got. And I'm a free spirit. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to become your wife right now. Plus you're married, you know, is because the, the married woman is just like, let's run away together, you know? And, and, you know, this, this uh, instructor is just kind of more realistic about it. She's like, you know, Hey, I, I, I like you, but you know, let's, yeah, I did kiss that other person because I'm a, I'm a kisser. Like I kissed you, I kissed this. And so the, the housewife, she's like kind of disillusioned at this point, but the, and then it goes, and it goes to this last scene and she's in public. It's the, it's, I think it's the morning after or something. And she's, she's confused and she sees this light pole and she starts to do her little dance and it's real awkward. Like it's not very, you know, pretty, but it's just kind of like, this, she's just trying it out and then she just bursts out laughing yeah and then it ends so to, to me it's like what does that mean and i don't know because it's like well, the, the world now is uh open to her yeah we don't we you know she could go any number of directions and i'd love movies that tell us that story because it's kind of a universal uh crossroads that we all have where it's just like everything has now changed what do i do and then fade to black Absolutely. But that is definitely why I liked it. My, my feeling of it, my interpretation was because you could look at right before the ending, everything was kind of messed up for her. Her relationship with her guy is messed up. She doesn't want to be in it. He, he's now like super confused himself. Like what's going on here? The, there's no relationship with the other gal. And now she was putting all of her eggs in that basket. And now even her kind of like her professional life, like her day-to-day routine is like in shambles. And there's this symbolic thing about like, she's not even a good pole dancer. Yeah. And yet I, what I got from it was the single most important thing happened, which was, ah, this is why I was saying like, I'm just in the wrong situation. Now that doesn't mean she knows what the right situation is. Like you're saying like, where does she go from there? But I, I felt like the laughter was like, okay. Okay. And you like, Maybe I don't have to pretend, you know, maybe I don't have that's to. Funny. Be, it's know. so funny to hear you because that, that's not how I read it. Of course, there's no way to know <laughs> yeah. what the intention was. Well, I, got the, I got that it was a little more about her rejecting the need to choreograph. You know, there's the scene there was all these, um, you know, invitations to conform, to choose. And know, that's what I mean by pretend. Like we all pretend constantly and she was done. Right. Yeah. She's not going to do her dancing for the sake of somebody else's visage. You know, she's going to do it the way that she feels like she wants to do it. And it's whether it's like looks good or not is it's not the point, you know? Yeah. Some honorable mentions that I'll say uh, coming out was, it was literally called coming out and it's about a, lesbian coming out to her friends and she has all these worries about coming out to her friends and it's all it's really funny it was it was uh especially compared to like the three that we watched just before it it was like this really light funny um and then a very similar one called gay dream which was this guy coming out to his mom 
and he's on the phone with his friend who's like playing video games has a headset on. And, and I thought, I thought she was a perfect actor. <laughs> he was like, you know, I don't know if he's going to hear this, but like he, he was good, but she was, she stole the show to me. I, I just thought she was. See, you know, I, I really liked gay dream. Uh, that was definitely in my top list. I don't dislike the coming out one. To me, it was just too basic. Like, yeah. so I was like, eh, okay, just some friends filming their their jokes, fine. But the coming out had more, I don't know, more production to it. And 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 I gay dream. Uh, sorry, gay dream. Yeah. So I, I really liked that one. Uh, another one was uh, Stairway, which is about a trans person leaving their home. It's really short. It's only like two minutes. Man, I didn't get that one at all. And well, so it's just a trans person talking about being trans and stepping out of their door and how every time they step out of their door, they are terrified that a lynch mob is going to show up and, you know, lynch them or something. And then uh, they talk about how once they actually just decided to stand tall and walk out, I could, I could now see, I could, I looked up and saw this tree and I saw it for the first time, even though I'd seen it many times, but I saw it in all of its glory for the first time. And, and the way that the production of the, of the visuals, you you see this tree kind of become more colorful. And I don't know, I just, again, I'm not trans, but um, one, I'm really glad that, you know, we're able to hear these voices, but two, I, I think it's a universal experience of, feeling oppressed by the outside world. You know, it's a scary jungle out there and we're standing at the doorknob going like, okay, I'm about to go outside. And I think it just, I think it's a universal uh, thing that this artist depicted. That makes sense. I, I, I was, I, I was probably unfair to it. I like, I, I get the, the point of the fear. And I think that that's a great concept. I, the it was so short and so the other thing i guess that bugged me was at the end it says this was produced in 24 hours or something and i was like well, i'm not going to give you extra credit for that <laughs> you know <laughs> i was like well spend 48 hours next time i don't know like i produced this while my computer was not working <laughs> yeah, exactly. so so it sucks i'm probably being a jerk about it but it's like it was is the concept is very powerful you were right and I probably need to rewatch it more carefully because you you probably saw more detail in that short shortness of it than I did. Uh, I just felt it was a little too short and basic for me. But no, no, no. I, I, I yeah. The, and then the other honorable mention is workwear, which is the last one. Which is is that what it's called? Work, work oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Work, yeah. That was um, that one along with uh, between complete and incomplete were my. Those are my two favorites. Yeah. It, so just a synopsis of work where it's this person is at is at home working, as all of us might be doing, talking to their boss um, over Zoom. And the boss is frequently calling in and being like, hey, uh, I need you to work on this thing. And the you know protagonist is saying, OK, I'll get that to you. I'll get that to you. And then that turns off the camera and then. Uh, they go to their bathroom and they're starting to get uh, dressed up um, as uh, uh, well. Like, so I couldn't really tell if it was a gay man dressing up in drag or a trans person dressing up as themselves, but either way it was uh, different yeah, gender different than ge- what they project normally on the right. They're project, yeah. they're projecting man um, d- at work, but uh, perhaps behind the scenes, they're at least partially or or want to be full time presenting feminine. And uh, so the protagonist is is getting dressed up, uh, looking, you know, getting the wig on and the eyelashes, and the makeup looking really great. And uh, I think about to leave the house and then the boss calls again <laughs> and the boss is like, Hey, can you turn on your camera? Yeah. Cause at first he just joins with audio. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so you see this, but it was this really simple production, you know, cause like another, <laughs> another movie maker would have had some, I don't know, cheesy little decision tree, but you know, right, you just right. see it in the protagonist's face, you know, they're just like, okay, what do I do here? And then it just, you know, I'm going to do this. And, 
I might actually get a little cheery because it was just, <laughs> it was this amazing moment. They sit down, they look into the, the, you know, the lens and they turn on the camera and, you know, woman presenting and the boss is just like, uh, so yeah. Anyways, I, I, I added need, an extra column. I need to- those <laughs> TPS reports by Monday. Well, it and- was great. He was trying, the boss was trying to be like, okay about it. And then he was like, what you look nice. I, I mean, it, you're like you're no 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 he says your hair he says hey hey you look you look good man i mean oh, man yeah exactly. i mean i like that thing <laughs> yeah i like that thing and again real sweet you know like like you know the boss didn't go like you're fired you know it was just yeah. like oh okay okay you know i i i like that you know and i don't know i just thought it was this uh powerful emotional moment for me apparently because i feel like crying when i wrote <laughs> i like that one as well i had um there were a couple others that i thought were really good um that i enjoyed so the you didn't like date prep i, I, I saw in your notes yeah i, I like date prep i'm with you on this one yeah and i get it i think it would it would turn me off in many cases but for some reason when i watched it i was like i get you dude like the guy's yeah. like i'm i'm getting ready for day oh god what could happen and it's like over the top scenarios it's like what if i get killed what if i have to kill him what if and then he's like okay if he comes from this side i'll just stab and then like i just for some reason it tickled me the right way <laughs> what other ones okay, so that- it's a charming movie because you know it's i think that it gives a comedic spin on anxiety Yes. You know, like so so often whenever the movie is about our fears, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, and and who knows, like this character, if we're going to interpret his, even though it has a comedic tone, if we're going to um, accept his thoughts as truth, then this person probably has some trauma in his past. And yet, even though it is a trauma narrative, it's funny and that doesn't mean that it's making light of trauma or that it just it merely was a space for somebody who's experienced trauma and wants to interact and connect (laughs) Uh, it was a it was a space where that character could exist in a comedy and that was refreshing to me yeah I I thought that was fun so then the other one that I had a love-hate relationship with uh is Gold Star the one about the Latina um, and I, well, I didn't think it was a lesbian couple. I thought it was a mom and her sister. Like, I thought that it was her aunt or something. I thought, so there's the mom with the daughter. And then I thought the other gal was her aunt. Or, did I read that wrong? I'm 95% sure that was a gay Latina. Uh, but then why would she say, well, I don't want your lifestyle is influencing her. So you need to go. Because well, what one of the parents, one is, of the parents was more um, at peace with their place in society than the other parent was. But also, this is a story that we don't see very often, which is why I, I also I also liked this one because uh, but I, I didn't have any kind of conflict over it. I just I felt like, you know, whenever you are a parent and what and this is it could be where you live location 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 it could be the way that you were raised some combination of the two or even your own inner demons but when one part and this again where we could this could be many people but in this particular scenario there were two people in the relationship when one person is more comfortable with themselves but it even goes beyond that to one person having the responsibility of a child and the other person not Um, whenever you haven't uh, come to terms with your fear of shame or even beyond that fear of being physically harmed. And when you start to think about that kind of thing um, approaching your daughter, then you do. And and you could tell that this was not something that was going to actualize the the character making this decision. It's just more a circumstantial, um, like, for example, this is a, this is a good one that would have been probably better as a movie because we would have been able to see the characters journey towards realizing that, Oh, you know, um, hiding this from my daughter, hiding this part, it's not going to help. 
um, you know, right. it's help, quote unquote, it's not going to shield her from the dangers of this world. And I have to, for my daughter, live in this truth. But, you know, we just didn't get um, but, but, that story. But none of that stuff has, you know, like, okay, whether, I guess I'll just take your guys' word at it that they were a couple. <laughs> I guess one of the things I'll ding it for is I, I was confused about that thing. I thought that it was like the mom with the daughter a single mom. And then her sister was gay. Well, actually, so I, I, but I want to drill down this sl- for a slight second, because yeah. I think that's, I think this is actually kind of a reason why they made the it way it was, uh-huh. was that for me, I was like, and cause I, it was a little unclear as well. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, unless they, unless they say that's the aunt, I'm just going to assume that's two parents but, in the same way that if yeah. you saw a man and a woman in a, in a kitchen with a daughter and they're both talking, but they didn't you, show any, any um, but, romantic, anything. But if them. you, but my point is, is that if you saw a man and a woman with a daughter talking about, you know, that's how it starts is yeah. a man and a woman mm-hmm. in a kitchen, very familiar talking, you would assume because of the conventions, Oh, that's mom and dad, you know, but they never, uh, as you pointed, you know, romantically connected these two women but all the signs were there that they were both mom and both moms. Okay. You know? So, so let's take that. Um, I'll just concede that point. Cause I have no way to, but, but actually to, let me, but I want to ask Colin, is that how you saw it too? That they were two moms. I did. I, I would also uh, support uh, Uberto and saying that there was no evidence really either. Nothing in terms of evidence, my English brain is saying there's no textual evidence. You are right. It was feeling based. It was association based. And there was this feeling really that um, at the end of the day made it not so much matter. It was, it was more about these are people who are close. These are people who are clearly, you know, interested in being a part of each other's lives in a real way. And for fear of hatred um, towards people who are gay or queer, um, you know, there's a, there's a loss of a relationship and this person felt like they had to remove their daughter from potential pain. So I, 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 I would say there was a line missing in that case, which was when the mom said, or sorry, when the, the main mom or whatever says, Mm -hmm. well, your lifestyle there was a line missing where it's like my lifestyle. What are you t-? like? We're in this relationship or whatever, but I'll put that aside because that has nothing to do with the issues. I had. My problems with this one were one, you know, and I know they did it on purpose to show the progression. She was just starting with music, but it sounded terrible. It sounded oh, yeah. so bad. And so I would have pulled that child off the stage for that reason. Alone. Well, so I know I actually liked that because as a person at that age who actually did participate in talent shows, you know, most people uh, are terrible. Bad. I know, but it just, it hurt my yeah, senses. That was a part of the story. I know, it, it just hurt my senses. I was like, dude, oh. your guitar is out of tune. Anyways, and then the second part was, there was something much bigger that I, I guess, unless I misunderstood it as well, she was singing a love song to her teacher? Yeah. yeah. Is it- well, 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 well. So... I, my impression was she's like 12 or 13. She's, yeah. She's not like 16. Yeah. Yeah. So she's still in that awkward phase. Where sure. You, and, that's and, fine. And she has a crush right. on, on her, on her female teacher. But don't we need to address this? <laughs> like, but that's okay. I mean, why, why can't she have a crush on her teacher? Now it's an awkward moment. It is. And we need to talk about it afterwards with her. And, you know, but so I, I just got so confused. I'm like, wait, so you're ripping her off, off the stage because she's saying lesbian-y things instead oh. of like, hey, and I'm kidding about ripping her off if she sounds terrible. But but instead of like, hey, uh, we need to talk about what, these feelings you have because we need to talk about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And I guess that's the whole point that the that her offensive, the the feeling of, of, of being offended because she's saying something about another woman trumps somehow the inappropriateness of, you know, the teacher to the student. Uh, however, what I did love about it is actually in defense of her sounding bad, they play the, the, the good song at the end, the good version of the song. And, and my, in my imagination is like, yeah, this was in the past. 
And then she grew up and became a great musician and found her voice and all that stuff. So <laughs> that's the only thing that made you feel bad. That's the only thing. That Eventually, made you feel she didn't butcher. Eventually she didn't butcher the song. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it was good. I couldn't deny that it was good. And I liked the Latino influence there and hearing Spanish and all that. Um, but I was conflicted. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think that something that was really important is that, you know, we, we saw in those moments, almost exactly what you said, the fear of, oh, the, the gates have opened. Now my child is able to express her affection in this way for another um, presenting female you know, that's going to lead to further shame for this family. That's going to cause her more pain. And um, you're right that, you know, that, but that's why we needed more of a movie, right? We needed a bigger movie so that we could yeah. see where those kinds of conversations about safety, you know, and about, you know, proper behavior, we could see examples of that so that when we got to that moment and expected it, when it didn't happen, we would go, oh, that's because, yeah, this is different. This is great. This is your point earlier, Kirk. This one could have used a different, like same idea, different format. Yeah. Um, so on the flip side, it I don't know about you, Berto, but it drives me bananas in movies and TV when I can clearly tell that they've overdubbed a flawless musical performance over a live performance. That is also frustrating. (laughs) It's like, especially when I know they're musicians, when I know that they could actually pull it off. Right, right, right. So, you know, I'd much rather see reality 12 year old butcher a song sure. <laughs> uh, than, than a, someone like, and actually they did overdub it. I could tell they, they recorded her guitar and then she recorded the vocals over and mm. that actually kind of screwed her up because she was a little out of sync with her yeah, previous yeah. guitar performance. But anyway, and, and the other, so the other thing about this, just another to, to a pet peeve that was in this was that from as a as a you know audio person and a musician on stage occasionally whenever in hollywood whenever they want to make an awkward moment on stage oh yeah they <laughs> oh all, i hate that they always make the microphone give feedback <laughs> yeah it's like whenever there's an awkward moment they always add feedback and i want to tell producers <laughs> emotional awkwardness that's not how feedback works that doesn't that doesn't cause feedback (laughs) there are very specific things that cause feedback and when there is and when there is feedback usually you have to do something to end it but in tv the feedback will just kind of go and i'm like well and it ends when the protagonist finds their voice yeah (laughs) well it's a it's the same as they might as well when they're about to make it awkward, pull down the protagonist's pants. It's just as related or unrelated. Yeah, yeah. I guess it'd be like whenever thing, anything awkward on stage happens, your pants, pants just fall. fly off. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, just, uh, just a reverb because my pants just fell. Hey, the other one that I wanted to give kudos to, I really enjoyed. There just wasn't enough that happened, so I didn't list it as my favorite, but it was the top 10 places to visit in Sao Paulo. Oh, now I might be a little biased. One of the things that I found fascinating about this one, I didn't read the subtitles at all. I was listening because the guy's Argentinian and he's speaking in Spanish, which I'm understanding hundred percent, but he's speaking to someone, a Brazilian who's speaking in Portuguese and they're not communicating fully. I'm understanding half of what the Portuguese guy is saying, which is about the same as the protagonist. And uh, he keeps trying to speak to in English to people. No one speaks English. And so that alone, I, I really enjoyed because that's, that's kind of a common thing that happens um, to folks in, in uh, melting pots, you know, like they come from different places and then like they speak their language and then they're, they're trying to like speak someone else's language. And then you're trying to find a way to communicate. The other thing that I thought was great was um, the, it, it is like this little, vignette of he's just going traveling trying to find like these beautiful places beautiful images and stuff he finds out it turns out that the other guy's also a photographer um it was really realistic they both don't gush over each other's work necessarily like the one guy looks at the work is like oh this is nice but then laughs at something which the guy misinterprets as him like making fun of the work 
And then later the guy's looking at the guy's photos in the, in the magazine. And he's like, what do you want me to tell you about it? I just, I don't know. There was something so real about it. Nothing much happens, but I liked it. It was filmed very nicely too. Like the. Yeah. Yeah. Film really, really great. Yeah. So final question, Colin, is it stressful to be in charge of a film festival? Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I'm going to say yes, because my experience of this particular film festival, while it has been extremely fruitful, no uh, homosexual rainbow related pun intended, I, <laughs> I have just been overwhelmed and that's due to a lot of factors. You know, I'm doing this really on my own time outside of my full-time job and my side jobs and the class that I'm taking to become a better freelance writer so that I can make more money that will go down the drain um, for more tires that get uh, blown out on the highway. Oh, geez. Um, it, um, it You're just... revealing the story in little pieces. I'm slowly piecing together. <laughs> it was a nightmare. No, um, yes, very overwhelming. I still, at the time of recording, I feel like there are things in the back of my head that I'm going to be thinking about on my drive home. I'll be thinking about them when I go to sleep, things that could go wrong, things I still haven't done. I feel like it is a, the never-ending story of there's just always another task. But complaining aside, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And I'm looking forward to the next one because what really is the case, because last time I had less help, this time I had more help. Next time I hope to have even more help, more people who can facilitate some of the posts that need to get done, uh, can gather uh, emails, you know, and I'm, I in no way want to sell Stranger Mornings short because let me tell you, they have kicked fucking ass, but it's a three man team, you know? So there's just a lot to do all the time. So my suggestion to anybody out there who wants to start a film festival is gather people, build a community and do not try to do it all by yourself or with just a couple of people who also have jobs outside of the film festival. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it is really a truly inspiring thing to be able to even bring this to, even if it's a small audience, um, it is a gift to be able to do that because like I've mentioned before, rather than just repeating myself over and over, it's um, helped me feel better about the world. Great. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and telling everyone about Queer to Queer Film Fest, Queer to Queer Fest, which is a queer film festival. And you can go to queer to queer com or dot org. And thanks for including us. I, I really enjoyed uh, the experience. You know, I don't re I don't watch a lot of shorts and it was really great. And tomorrow we're a part of a ju yep. judge panel. Judging judging uh what's that going to involve what's the meeting involve so it's just going to be a, a short gathering of all of the people who have watched all of the films y'all watched the same amount you mentioned it earlier but um i i wanted you to be able to see every single film um so that you got the full experience of the festival and you know if anybody has any questions about you know, what they actually liked or what they didn't like, or they just want to share, you'll be able to um, bring your opinions about why something should warrant, um, you know, this particular award over this film, because there are categories, which you'll be able to um, fit each film into. We've got best film, first, second, and third. We've got Miss Originality. We've got best trope subversion. We've got bigotry mm. slayer. We've got most empowering moment. And we've got taste the rainbow. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it. And go watch all the films. 
Hey, Deserving Listeners, as you all know, I am constantly recommending that people go to therapy. We all need therapy from time to time. Well, one of the options available that is definitely worth checking out is BetterHelp. If you're looking for a therapist, I would give it a try by going to betterhelp.com slash Kirk. Make sure you use the promo code Kirk because you get 10% off your first month and it really helps us out. As you watch these videos, I know many of you have been motivated to find your own therapist, which is great because you deserve it. And I know also that it can be hard to find a good fit, find the right one for you. Well, one of the options available in terms of your shopping is to go to betterhelp.com slash Kirk. I've been told you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. You can message your counselor at any time. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. I've also been told that it's often less expensive than in-person therapy. And you should know that this service is available to clients worldwide. So go to betterhelp.com slash Kirk to get 10% off your first month today.